it's obviously not something I've done. So I just try to shake it off and just continue doing what I love to do, which is being outside. You're hearing the voice of Elizabeth Wong, one of Allie and I's best friends and our guest for this episode. We've known Liz for over six years, and she's been with us through our entire friendship. On this episode, we spend a good bit catching up and reminiscing of our years together. Then we dig into the outdoor activities that Liz enjoys and how her family has made a lasting impact on her and her relationship with nature. Liz finishes by sharing her experiences as an Asian female in the backcountry and reminds us all that we have the same right to enjoy, belong, and feel confident in these spaces. We hope you enjoy. Basic, a podcast about everyday badass women who love the outdoors and are unafraid to be unapologetically themselves in the backcountry, regardless of norms and expectations. I'm Emma. And I'm Allie. On this podcast, we hope to share our love of backcountry shenanigans with those like us, those that inspire us, and those that are excited to discover their interest in the outdoors. Hey guys, we're back. It's January 6th, 2022. We've made it to the new year. Uh, Ali and I are both very excited to be recording again. We took quite a bit of a break for the holidays, uh, but we're back. Today, joining us is our very good friend, Elizabeth Wong. Uh, Ali and I have been talking about getting Liz on the podcast, I think since before it was even a real podcast. So we're finally doing it and we're both just really excited. Liz, how are your holidays and do you have any fun holiday updates for us? My holidays was super quiet because of COVID. Um, I tried to really minimize contact with people leading up to Christmas because I really wanted to spend Christmas day with my grandma um, who's like 95 now and she's killing it in life. She lives in her own apartment. And then after that, some of my friends and I, including like Allie, went up to our cabin or my cabin in the Sunshine Coast. And that was super fun and adventurous, which maybe we can talk about later. Oh, we should definitely get into that because the trip to Liz's uh, cottage was supposed to be kind of this like relaxing cottage trip. You know, you go there, you have some mulled wine, you sit by the fire. It was so- mad chaos. Wait, I wasn't there because I was home for the holidays. What happened? I I don't have any updates on this. Well, we got there. So it snowed on Boxing Day. The way to get to my place is pretty easy. You just drive there and you take the highway. And then at one point you like you turn off into our side streets or the way to get there. It's about like a 10 minute drive off the highway. But none of that drive was plowed. And so it was quite the adventure going up some some of the hills. And we saw this one family that had like lost control of their car and ended up in a ditch. And we, we approached them just as they were getting out of their car. They were like one of my neighbors because like, I didn't recognize them. Um, but going to my place, you basically only go up that road if you live in that area. So we just stopped to like talk to them for a bit. And we agreed to come back to go and get them. But on as we continued up the road toward my house, we saw this electrical fire. And at first we saw just like 
an orange glow as we approached honestly it was like this the whole like road was like getting bright with orange and we thought that like a car was on fire but as we started getting closer it was like a tree had fallen on a power line and like some brush was like on fire oh my god (laughs) we haven't even arrived at the place yet yeah we haven't even gotten there yet and there's already like chaos so yeah, we called 911 to report the electrical oh. fire. And then I was gonna ask. Yeah. And then of course on the phone, they're like, oh, you guys can't go back there. That's very dangerous. And then we said on the phone, like, well, there's this family who just crashed their car. They're all fine, but we were gonna go back and like once we had space in the car, because there were three of us plus a bunch of shit, we were gonna go back and unload it and just have one or two of us go there and drive them to their cottage because it's fucking freezing out and those little kiddos are going to get hypothermia so we were going to go back and drive them to their cottage and then the fire department's telling us no you can't do that because of this electrical fire and then we're like well now these people are stranded and they probably also don't know about the fire and if anyone else comes by to get them they're also not going to be able to help them if there's the fire so we were kind of stressed about that but we decided that it was probably very unsafe for us to go back and all those people in the family were not injured just cold so we spent the next like 45 minutes shoveling and then we went back to check that the fire was out which it was and they weren't there anymore so we went to their cottage and checked on them they had all made it there fine someone else had given them a ride but it was just chaos and then Liz also didn't even add that we get to the cottage there's no power so because of the electrical fire yeah oh god yeah yeah so it was like freezing cold when we got inside usually like it's preheated for like and ready for us when we arrive but we get there and it's freezing cold outside it's like I don't know Allie what do you think negative five or something like that yeah I feel so weird saying negative five is freezing cold now that I live in Ontario but yeah it was probably negative five to negative eight well disclaimer for our listeners minus five minus five is very cold on the west coast it's colder than minus five in calgary because it's so humid here it feels very different so i know that minus five is freezing and i don't want anyone giving us hate for saying that it's too cold at minus five if you if you don't know then you don't know if you know you know this is true this is true it is freezing cold well damn it sounds like you guys had an adventure before you even arrived at your place well it doesn't even end there so then we started making a fire and it was so cold we decided to just like sleep in the living room with the fire and we spent like the night just tending to the fire and then the power came on around like 6 a.m or something but it was just honestly all of that is fine like everything ended up okay the fire got put out the family made it to their cottage our power came back on we had a fire on so we you know, we were okay, but it was just not the kind of relaxing, chill cottage vacation we were expecting. No, but it actually made it better because like, here we are with a story. Exactly. Sipping mold wine by a nice warm fire in a heated prepared home just wouldn't have been good enough for me on this episode. It wouldn't have been storytelling worthy. Good update from Liz. Thank you. Well, how do I intro this? Why does this feel different than like all our other ones when 
I think it's just because Liz is our friend and I'm like, well, where do I start? I don't literally don't know how to interview Liz. I only know how to casually talk to her because we've been friends for so long. And like our listeners will know that we've brought her up in numerous episodes. Yeah, I know. I've heard my shout outs (laughs) for the episodes. I I, every time I hear a shout out about me, I'm just like, oh, that's me. (laughs) Usually it's in the context of like us telling a dumb story of something we've done, though. Like, there was that episode where we reminisced about all our first year drunken times. Yeah, that was me, everyone. I'm that Liz. Actually, true. We talk about, like, me and Allie being basic and first year and our wild times, but Liz was there for it all, so. I feel like, if anything, Liz was, like, that person that, because she's so sweet and just so smart and studious, but I think she's the person that everyone expected to be more chill. But honestly, on the nights we went out, Liz definitely drank the most and arguably the most basic of the three of us. Yeah, this is true. I probably am the most basic out of you guys. Do you guys remember when we had that, um, was it organic chemistry in second year, 8 a.m., the three of us together? (laughs) That was so fucking funny because it just like literally showed our personalities. So this is what would happen, listeners. So I would get there and Allie is already in the in her seat before 8 a.m. She had already gone on a run, showered and picked up her coffee, sitting there with her book open, ready to learn like a good student she was. Then I rolled up just on time, chaotic, had ru- like literally run from my apartment to the class. And then Emma shows up 10 minutes late, literally drenched in fucking like rain because she biked to class. She was dripping, but like that class was literally so funny because it just really showed like who we were. And also, do you guys remember being told to shut up by the prof? You guys were talking about like something inappropriate that maybe I'm not allowed to say on the pod. I remember, I don't even know if we put this in the podcast, but I just remember this was the class where Allie would like she would either have to shit before she came and the days that she forgot to shit, it was like panic for the 50 minute class. Okay, no, no, no. I would not- every class. I would not forget to shit. It would be like, if I hadn't gotten my coffee early enough, I would get there and have to sit on the aisle seat in the lecture hall so that I could get up midway through to have my shit. And I just remember every day having a conversation like, Ali, did you poop today? No, okay, you sit there. (laughs) um anyway back to podcast related content so Liz I think interestingly compared to some of our guests really like grew up in a family where the outdoors was a priority and like had some of her first experiences camping and hiking with her parents you know all of these activities that you do other than skiing I guess like you've always kind of done with your family So how do you feel like that's shaped your kind of interest in the outdoors or your passion for um, like getting out there? Oh, it was huge. It basically was like the gateway into the outdoors for me because I basically grew up in an environment where it was like encouraged to go outside and to like connect with nature. So I feel like that was really big. And they also, in, like my family introduced me to all these different activities. And so it felt more comfortable when I became of age to do it myself with friends. 
like I had already had experiences and I knew what to expect. Um, what's like your earliest memory of like camping with your family or like your earliest sort of like outdoor memory? So, okay, that's kind of different. But the first one you said, like my earliest camping memory, that was like literally like the turning point for me because growing up in like family with three siblings, I never really had a lot of one-on-one time with my dad in particular until we went camping, just the two of us. I was probably around 10. And so we went on our first camping trip and it was really a fun way for me to connect with my dad and to connect with him outside. And we went, we went to Naramata and we biked and we, we went on these trails and like um, just had a lot of quality time together outside. And then after that, I, we started backcountry camping, my siblings and my dad, and we went to Garibaldi. And that was a really, that's a really interesting story because literally everything went wrong and yet I still loved it. My dad wanted us to try this together and it was a week, a weekend in August. And so it was supposed to be really nice, but it ended up raining the whole time. We had none of the gear that we have now, guys. Like we had like front country, front country camping stuff, trying to fit that into a regular backpack. And like strapped on stuff on the outside. And my dad carried like literally all of it. And so we got up there and we made it pretty late up there, probably around seven or eight. We started to like set up tent and it was raining already. And we got the very last spot and we were all like, thank you. We were so grateful to get the last spot. And then while we were sleeping, we all realized why it was the last spot. It was such a shitty spot because of the way that the ground was set up. All of the water from the rain would flood into the campsite. Our tent was completely flooded by the morning and I found my camera floating. Like it was not, it was not good, guys. My gosh, you must have been getting so much rain for it to have flooded that much. But I guess it's also... Garibaldi like the water is literally draining into where the campsites are close to the lake and so we hiked back down the next day with like extremely heavy wet soaking gear and your dad carried it all (laughs) yeah shout out to Bruce yeah (laughs) wait so Liz had your dad been camping much by himself before this trip or was he like I want to try backcountry camping and I'm taking my kids with me yeah, the second one. So he, as growing up, my dad never like went camping with his family or anything, but it was with us that he wanted to try it. He tried like the front country camping with us first with my siblings. And then he did the trips with me because my, for the listeners who don't know, I have two older siblings who are quite a bit older than me. Then he tried back country camping with us. And then actually all of my siblings got into it. I just was wondering how your relationship with your siblings, I guess, has changed or how you think it would have changed if you guys didn't do those activities together or you didn't have those similar interests. Yeah, it's definitely something that we um, bond over doing things like in the outdoors together. But we haven't really done a lot of sibling um, camping trips together, like the three of us. Usually it's my sister and I. The, our latest trip was just a few months ago. We went up to Tin Hat on the Sunshine Coast Trail, the four of us, because now my sister is engaged. And actually, she got engaged up there. So that was really fun for us, like a bonding moment. 
And that was a moment too, Liz, where you got to use your photography uh, skills, right? Yes, yes. That was super fun for me. Every trip I've done with Liz, I heavily rely on her taking photos. But it's also like her patience. Like she's one of those friends who's actually really invested in getting a good photo. And so like she will stand there with you for however long it takes from however many different angles until you get that money shot. I don't know. I feel like it's natural that for people to use photos as like kind of these not memory aids, but like memory tokens. Like I love looking back at photos and remembering like, oh, when we were at this campsite I remember this stupid thing happened or whatever and like photos are kind of that avenue that like help you um reminisce about those things it's exactly why I love taking photos is because I love trying to capture that moment and then trying to relive that later when you look at it you're like it just sparks all these memories for me and that's what I really love about photography I actually love that we're talking about this because especially our group because we do we will stop on the trail for 45 minutes and have a photo shoot, make sure that everyone gets their good pics in and everyone's looking fit. And a lot of people would look at us and be like, oh my gosh, look at those basic bitches just out to get their photo shoots. But what you guys are saying is so true. Like those photos are so important to, as a memory token and like looking back and the number of nights I've sat in my bed on my photos, just looking at the long list of photos taken in part by Liz and not by my phone at all it's literally one of my hobbies at this point I do it so much (laughs) yeah anyway photos are definitely a good way to reminisce and I also think that we all look really happy and we all glow when we're outside doing what we love and like I like that Liz captures that as well okay yeah Liz like you've I mean obviously you've got quite a few outdoor hobbies we just touched on camping, hiking, photography, some of your great backcountry trips that you've done. But you also mentioned kayaking earlier, and I feel like that's huge for you, especially because you're a big BC coast gal. And yeah, you and I have had some great kayaking trips too. So do you want to touch on that? Yeah, so I first got into kayaking um, probably in grade eight, Um, my neighbor got some kayaks and she let us try it out and my whole family fell in love with them so then we all got kayaks we got um, like two of them and we whenever we were up at my cottage we always go kayaking to go see like the nearby seal islands and just explore there's something about kayaking that's so different than all the other sports I've done like like it's a game changer, just being so close to the water, being able to see right underneath you, up close the crevices of the rock, something that you can't really appreciate until like you're right there doing it on a kayak. And then we go out and we try to find somewhere that's completely dark so we can see the bioluminescence. Oh, also there was this one time when I was kayaking, I was just turning the corner and I saw something in the water, like just something just above it not that far away, maybe like 10 meters away. It turns out it was a bear swimming, like a, just a black bear, a bear swimming. Anyways, it just, it just got up out of the water, took a shit and then left. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you guys go on a kayaking trip together? Yes. Can I hear about it? Last summer we went to Desolation, which was a huge dream for both of us. 
Yeah, and that was a much bigger undertaking because of just how much more remote it was. So the entire trip was out of cell service and we literally navigated the entire thing with a singular piece of paper that was laminated, like this little map of the area. And looking back, we should have had a compass or something, I, I, or some kind of GPS, but we literally just had this one laminated map. But we finally made it to our campsite on Kermi Island or one of the Kermi Islands. It's a little cluster of islands in Desolation Sound. And there are a couple tent pads that are already built there, but they were all taken. So we ended up basically pitching our tent on this little cliff with just probably two or three feet on either side. So if we had to walk around the tent, we really had to walk close by it so we wouldn't fall off the cliff, but it was pretty cool. Well, Guys, how, we, how we got to that tent site it was literally just like, I was unloading the tent and Allie was like tasked with finding us a spot to camp on. And I'm just unloading all of our stuff from the inside of like the kayak out onto like the shore. And she comes back and she's like, Kayla's, I found something for us, but I don't know how you're going to feel about it. And literally in my head, I was like, oh, fuck, what is she going to show me? And then she like scrambles up these rocks and she's like, here, I found it. Like this like flat little area, like, like Ali said, it was probably like six feet wide. It wasn't very big. Let's just say that. We can post and- a photo of it on our Instagram after. I will admit it was a genuine scramble to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one story I wanted to add to that was um, when we were, it was the morning, one of the mornings we camped on that cliff. And so we woke up, we made our oatmeal and coffee and we were just sitting on the edge of the cliff with our legs dangling off it, eating our breakfast and someone Sorry. actually kayaked. What? I just love like when you said oatmeal and coffee, like I just, I've just had so many oatmeal and coffees with you guys that it just was a really like warm, fuzzy memory I had. I was like, oh, a camping coffee and oatmeal. Thank God. It honestly warms my heart eating oatmeal and coffee when we're camping. It's so, it's just so wholesome. But yeah, we're eating our breakfast and this kind of older man who's kayaking alone goes by us and he's about to undertake this big like 40 kilometer paddling day. He's going to paddle around Redonda Island, which is one of the bigger islands in Desolation Sound. And he stops and he sees us sitting on this cliff. And he's like, oh, my God, like, you guys have the best campsite here. Like, this is so cool. And we're like, oh, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, have you guys, have you ever done anything like this before? And we're like, um, not really. Like, this is our second kayaking trip. Our last one was just one night. And this was a much bigger trip, Desolation. And he was like, oh my god wow good for you well let me tell you I have two sons and he like was like getting ready to set us up with his two sons (laughs) one of those wholesome interactions that you often have in the outdoors when there's no service and no one's just looking on their phone and being antisocial if a stranger comes along like I don't know you interact with them and you connect over this shared love of in that case kayaking and desolation sound Oh, what a wholesome story. I love that. Yeah. Anyway, I also wanted to ask, going back to um, your family, Liz, and growing up with um, an outdoorsy dad who took you out on these adventures that were new for him and new for you and your siblings, 
I know you've kind of mentioned in the past um, growing up in an Asian family and going out with your family outdoors or with your friends or whatever and maybe some of the um, I guess like stereotypes that you've faced with that. Yeah I mean sometimes you encounter some Asian racism in the outdoors. I think that there's like this stereotype that they don't Asian people don't really go outside as much or like explore and I feel like that's kind of there are some times where like you encounter racism outside and it's it's never pleasant like it's always something that you're just taken aback by because most of the time I it's fine everything's normal so when it does happen it's always makes me feel caught off guard I never actually like in the moment feel like it's an attack on me but later on I'll go over in my head and been like wow that really wasn't right or that didn't sit well or something something was off with that encounter but yeah I have also been with Liz um, when we did our big BC road trip and we were stopping in one of the towns to just get some food or something and someone actually did make like overtly racist comments to her what happened was we were we just entered this cafe and there was this older man with the menu and like we just walked in we're just trying to like literally find like figure out what we want to order and he starts talking to us he's just asked me like are you are you Chinese and I was like yes and then he started saying like hello or something like that in Mandarin and I was just like so caught off guard like it was just so weird and I I literally just was like um I speak English I'm just gonna go back to ordering my food (laughs) you were like I want none of this goodbye yeah literally I don't know. It was definitely eye-opening for me because, like, I think as white people, we often don't get to, like, witness that very much. And it obviously happens way more than we ever see. And just seeing that was, like, so heart-wrenching. Oh, and then Sydney and I were talking about it afterward, like, that happened. And I was like, did you just see what happened? Like, and then she was like, yeah. And we were talking about it. And it's not anything, like, that rare for us because Sydney's also Asian. It's kind of different because like you said, Allie, like you're not used to that. But for me, that's like, I don't know. It's not that weird, at, which is really sad. And remember Sydney's case. Okay, so we were at Salmon Arm or something buying buying alcohol and Sydney got like ID'd at the liquor store, which is unusual. But they like wouldn't accept her age. Like they, they thought it was fake or something. We were the only Asian people. But they basically asked for four pieces of ID from her, even though they were letting like literally everyone else go really quickly and really easily. But and they were all valid pieces of ID. She had to pull out four of them before they actually accepted that she was of age. What would you even use for four pieces of ID now that I'm thinking about it? Like some of those anecdotes that you're talking about are obviously like, you know, they make somebody feel this big sometimes. But how do you deal with that when you're outside? And Well, honestly, I don't take it personally. If they're making some sort of racist remark or something like that, it's it's not really a reflection of me or anything I've done. Literally, most of the time, it's out of nowhere and unprovoked. It's obviously not something I've done. So I just try to shake it off and just continue doing what I love to do, which is being outside. I think there are a lot of people who have experience worse things like the things that I've said so far on the podcast are like really minimal encounters of racism 
but there are some people that have like experienced bigger things and I can't speak to them because like I don't know it on a personal level but I do know that the stuff that I've said is relatively minor. I think it also helps Liz that your like we just talked about earlier like your family has always encouraged you know you guys to get outside and that's always been a safe place for you and your family so maybe that has helped it, your confidence in combating those comments and those opinions that you're facing. And I know Asian representation in the outdoors, we, you growing up with your family, who's being outdoors, like maybe that has, um, well, I think, I think you're on, like, I think I know what you're trying to say. Like, it makes me feel like I belong there because it's, it's always been something that I've, I've experienced since I was young so I know like I have just as much of a right to be outside it doesn't really discourage me and make me feel like I'm out of place when I encounter racism outside um because yeah from my background it just feels it it kind of gives me more confidence I can be outside just as much as a white person or whoever's saying those remarks I really appreciate you sharing your experiences I'm sure that a lot of people can unfortunately relate to them Liz is there anything else that you would on this topic say to anyone who's listening to kind of like take home with them well I feel like my a takeaway would be like just to have the attitude of not letting it get to you and not letting that those comments stop you from exploring outside even though they make you feel small you don't have to internalize them sounded kind of preachy no I feel like Liz towards the end of our recordings they always get a bit preachy because we're trying to like make a (laughs) wrap-up and Ali and I have talked about this before often we will like say something preachy and then the other person will reiterate the preachy thing in a more preachy way and then we'll just go back and forth a couple times until we're like okay somewhere in there we should have something so it's normal Well, Liz, thanks so much for joining. I know that we um, have talked about having you on the pod for so long. I'm just really glad that it has finally happened. Um, I know that I speak for both me and Allie when uh, I say that we're excited for this recording and we're excited for our listeners to finally hear you. Well, thanks for having me. I hope I don't sound like a three-year-old child because I know my voice. Liz, (laughs) you just finished talking about not letting things get to you and being positive. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'll change it. Okay. Well, thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. And I really enjoyed talking to y'all. Okay, thanks, everyone for listening. And thanks, Liz, for being here. Bye. Bye. listening to wildly basic don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts we're also on instagram at wildly basic podcast our marketing director is emma our editor-in-chief is ali artwork by emma music and sound by ali co-hosted by emma and ali thanks for tuning in happy trails <laughs>